Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. I think he was someone who who wanted to create a legacy of what he and what he felt other founders wanted the future to remember. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Jude M. Fister discussing the historian John Marshall. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Small Battle Series, with two new releases, The Battle of Musgrove's Mill, 1782, by John Buchanan, and The Battle of Harlem Heights, 1776, by David Price, available now wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Jude M. Fister. He's a Journal of the American Revolution contributor... And he works for the National Park Service. And he'll be discussing Supreme Court Justice John Marshall, not in terms of his judicial prowess, but as one of America's first historians. It's a fascinating topic that isn't explored enough in a life as big as John Marshall's. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Jude Fister. Jude Fister, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Jude, you're a first-time guest. Tell us a little bit about your background. I am a uh, currently I'm a chief. I'm the chief of cultural resources at the Morristown National Historical Park in New Jersey, Morristown, New Jersey. Um, we're primarily known for uh, the 1779-1780 winter encampment of uh, George Washington and the Continental Army. Um, we have a museum, several historic houses hiking trails, et cetera. Uh, I've been with the National Park Service a little over 30 years, uh, all of it in cultural resources, uh, curator, historian types of positions. Um, I have an um, undergraduate degree from uh, Delaware State University and um, graduate degrees from um, uh, Washington College in Chestertown and uh, Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. And um, I've, um, I've, I've done some writing. I, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I have um, at Morristown a tremendous um, research library that I'm able to, um, to uh, utilize. Uh, I like to say sometimes I have the keys uh, keys to all the good stuff, um, some of the um, source material that's really never been um, uh, mined um, before. So um, because we're, we're a small park and people don't necessarily think of national parks as uh, research libraries, uh, but we have one. And um, so I, I've been very fortunate to uh, be able to take advantage of that. And um, as I say, I've been at Morristown, so I've been with the National Park Service about 30 years. I've been at Morristown about 20 years. What drew your interest into this topic? 
Well, I, it's the the short simple answer is that it came from a book i wrote about 10 years ago called america writes its history um uh, where i looked at the development of the craft and the discipline of history from uh roughly 1607 to or no 1650 to about <clears throat> excuse me to about 1800 and um and but the martial aspect, um, there are many episodes, if you will, that, that goes into that. Um, I studied in graduate school, the Supreme court, my dissertation was on the first decade of the Supreme court. Uh, so really the pre martial court, but there, um, obviously John Marshall loomed large over any, um, studies, uh, about the Supreme court in the first 10, 15, 20 years. But, uh, even though he had nothing to do with it during the first decade, although he did as a lawyer argue a case in, oh, I believe 1796 or 97, uh, which incidentally he lost. Um, but, uh, that did not obviously diminish his, uh, employment, um, prospects on the court. Uh, but, I, 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 I've always had an interest in kind of the history of history. So, um, so people like, um, John Marshall and, and even a little 20 years after Marshall, uh, someone like Jared Sparks, um, who, who was very inspired by Marshall and, and in fact, they worked together. Um, but, but that's further down the road, um, from our time period here. So there, there were just a number of uh, things over the years that kind of transpired episodes, as I say, that, that led me to this um, kind of a history of history, and, and in particular with uh, John Marshall, and in particular, again, narrowing, narrowing it down even a little bit more with uh, George Washington, because there, um, there are kind of two competing schools that come out of um, the early 1800s, right after Washington's death, you have John Marshall, <clears throat> excuse me, on one side, and then you have Mason Weems. So what Washington would we end up with? That was, uh, something that always interested me. And, um, this article goes, um, kind of springs from that. And, um, and I think it's, um, there's still much to be written about it, I think. Jude, a lot of us know about John Marshall. For those who don't, give us a little bit of a refresher. Well, John Marshall was born 1755, um, died in 1835, had a good long life, almost 80 years. Um, he was semi-gentry, we'll say. Through his mother, he was related to the Randolph family. Uh, much as uh, as is famously known, Jefferson's mother also sprang from the Randolph clan. And this, of course, in later times, in the early 19th century, would lead to this kind of, um, well, even before then, it was kind of a lifelong feud between Jefferson and Marshall. We'll just call it that. Um, and feud might be too strong a word, but there was definitely some um, competition there between the two over the years. But Marshall really kind of sprang onto the national scene in uh, when he was 20. 
1775, he joined the Virginia militia um, and was um, involved. He, he, he was commissioned a lieutenant. He was an officer. Uh, he was involved in uh, some of the early battles, uh, skirmishes. Um, he was at Valley Forge. Uh, in uh, 77, 78 uh, with Washington. He knew Washington uh, fairly well. Uh, Marshall's father, Thomas, was uh, more of a contemporary of George. And uh, so uh, John Marshall knew Washington, George Washington, more through his father. Uh, But so he's in the revolution. John Marshall is. He's at the Battle of Monmouth and 1778. And um, he is actually at Morristown uh, very briefly uh, when his uh, militia unit is disbanded. Um, He goes back home, spends about three months studying law with George Wythe, becomes a lawyer, um, becomes a very successful lawyer throughout the 1780s. He is at the Virginia ratifying convention, the state ratifying convention in 1788, uh, which ratifies the uh, American Constitution. Um, he starts to gain the notice of, um, of uh, politicians in, by the 1790s. He's, he's branching out. He has more um, legal work. His, his, his legal work is prospering, although he's uh, spending well beyond his means, particularly with land speculation. Um, George Washington encourages him to run for Congress, I believe in 1798, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he does win his seat, doesn't do much in Congress. Um, then um, he is um, an ambassador to France during the so-called quasi-war. Um, he serves for um, President John Adams. Um, he comes back from that, um, much to his surprise, uh, well known throughout the country as kind of a hero for um, objecting to the bribes that the French were uh, demanding. Um, he becomes uh, Secretary of State briefly for John Adams, and then he's appointed uh, Chief Justice in 1801 and um, serves in that capacity for 34 years. And during his first six years as Chief Justice, he's also involved somehow, I don't know how he found the time, but uh, as being an author. So um, a biographer, I should say. And, um, and so that's really John Marshall in a nutshell. So, you know, Bourne had a fortunate birth, uh, soldier, lawyer, statesman, congressman, secretary of state, um, chief justice, author. And um, that's, that's John Marshall. Why did Marshall take on a biography of George Washington? Well, I think there's um, pressure, peer pressure, guilt, um, the after George Washington dies, the end of 1799, um, his papers and they're voluminous um, um, are inherited by his nephew, uh, Bushrod Washington. Bushrod is um, 
by this point in 1799, already on the Supreme Court as an associate justice. Um, Bushrod was also editing uh, an edition of, I believe, the Virginia, one of the Virginia court uh, courts uh, papers for publication. But Bushrod had he he had um, bad eyesight, um, and but one thing he kind of dreamt of or, 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 or felt strongly about was a biography of his uncle. He felt that would be a very proper um, monument, if you will. And it's known that the Washington family in general supported this. Even Martha, from, um, from what little bit we can glean, um, and Tobias Lear, who was one of Washington's secretaries, was uh, thought perhaps a good candidate for this role. Um, as I mentioned, Bushrod himself thought about it, but given his um, work that he was already doing on um, some Virginia court records, um, his eyesight and his role already as an associate justice, um, and of course his last name, he, you know, whatever he wrote, he would be, it, it would be um, looked upon um, uh, with suspicion. Um, so Marshall again was, um, he was good friends with Bushrod. He knew Martha, he knew the family. Um, and he, he was somebody that they respected. Um, Marshall certainly, um, had great respect and reverence almost for George Washington and Marshall felt and was considered to be a bit more even handed um, because by this point, 1799, 1800, um, the American kind of political party uh, aspect was already uh, well engaged. And um, so there, there, there was already some concern that whoever did this biography had to be as even handed as possible. Um, and so Marshall, he, he had great doubts for good reason. I mean, this was a huge project. Um, you know, he had never written anything like this before and, um, and, and, and it would come to haunt him, uh, his, his kind of lack of uh, preparation for anything like this. Um, and also he knew that his kind of three months, uh, studying law and being at William and Mary wasn't, um, perhaps the best, um, grounding in terms of a formal education. Um, not that he was as, um, uh, concerned about that as George Washington, who, who we know was very reticent because of his lack of formal education. Uh, John Marshall certainly was aware that he wasn't the uh, most formally trained academically person in the room, but um, he, 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 by and large, it didn't really stop him in any way. Uh, but he certainly had his doubts about something along the lines of a biography of this size. But again, I think he felt pressure. I think he felt um, it, his duty, if you will, um, so I think that was um, uh, 
um, it wasn't just one thing. I think it was kind of a m- multiple things coming together that he finally agreed to do it. Jude, what type of writer was John Marshall? Um, I think overall he was a, a good, solid writer. I think when it came to biography, though, I think um, he, he, he got overwhelmed. He got lost in the amount of information that was out there. Um, just as one example, volume one, um, does not even mention George Washington's name. Um, uh, he spends the entire volume, um, talking about, uh, colonial history. And so he, he definitely had problems, uh, kind of, um, quantifying his material, but also just, um, getting it down to, what was agreed to in the contracts that were signed with uh, the publisher, Caleb Wayne, in, out of Philadelphia. Um, Wayne um, knew the publishing business. He knew writing. John Marshall did not know the publishing business, and he didn't know writing of the caliber that he was being asked to do. Um, he certainly proved himself a very solid um, uh, reliable writer in terms of his opinions over his decades on the Supreme Court. But um, I think he would have done a very good um, biography if he had created some sort of um, um, master list of what each volume chapter would look like and, and what he would cover in all those and you know, put it up uh, on the wall or something and, and follow it that way. He, he just got, um, I think, overwhelmed. He got lost. Um, and I think, um, well, again, not, I'm, 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 I'm not criticizing really, but, um, you know, he had a day job. He was doing um, tremendous work on the court. This is right when um, 1803, Mulberry versus Madison is coming about. Um, the contract for these volumes is signed in 1802. Um, but again, he just, um, he didn't know where, where to start sometimes. And he certainly didn't know when to stop. And, and uh, the volumes just got out of control and uh, Bushrod did help uh, to some extent, but um, he, he just couldn't devote the time uh, and effort that he wanted um, Bushrod that is couldn't. And, um, so John Marshall was, uh, didn't have a network of, uh, kind of fellow authors, if you will, that could help him. Um, there was really no one to rely on. And, and, um, he, he just kind of internalized a lot of the problems and then would, um, would, uh, feel, very um, distraught, really, over some of the errors that got into the uh, volumes, uh, over his um, punctuation, over a lot of um, things that just um, would would have come easier to someone who had a background in this and also someone who didn't have as their day job, the head of one of the three branches of government. So um, I would say overall, in terms of the biography, he was probably a, uh, an exceptionally well-meaning um, amateur. And um, 
but I mean that in, in, in the best sense of the word. Jude, how would you say this book was received when it was released? Uh, fair <laughs> negative. Um, it came out in installments. There was five volumes. The first came out in 1804, I believe the last 1807. Um, there were problems from the start. I, I alluded to the partisan aspect of it. Um, Bushrod and Marshall um, had wildly unrealistic uh, um, goals or, or, or um, thoughts that they were going to earn, you know, up to a hundred thousand um, uh, dollars. Caleb Wayne, the publisher, thought they were just completely naive and and had no idea what they were talking about, which is actually true. Uh, they just did not know the publishing uh, industry at the time, uh, Marshall and Bushrod. And, uh, and, you know, they even made the comment that they were relying on um, federalists to boost sales. Now, even though they... I, I referred earlier that they knew they had to keep this kind of um, um, on an even keel from a partisan level, um, but yet they go out and say, we're looking for federalist buyers. And then, of course, factor in Thomas Jefferson, the president. The minute he hears about this, um, Jefferson is immediately just just beside himself. He just, um, he thinks this is being done to influence the election of 1804. Um, he's got all sorts of wild ideas of, of what this, this, um, um, uh, biography is going to be, even though he's one of the first subscribers. Um, but, um, so Jefferson even went so far as to have, um, Republican postmasters, um, not carry subscriptions. So this was, this was sold, uh, not unlike a lot of books um, or volumes at this time, uh, by subscription sale. So you would sell subscriptions, you'd get that money, and then you could use that to start printing the books, etc. Um, and it, they had... I, you know, they, they had some wild estimates of, you know, 30,000 subscribers, et cetera. I believe at the end of the day, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000. It, it just did not uh, work out from the business financial standpoint, uh, anywhere near what they thought. And then, um, as I say, the, the, there were delays. Um, there were, were people uh, subscribers who canceled wanted their money back. Um, and so, um, it, it just became on one hand, a near fiasco. It, 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 it was, um, there were some redeeming qualities to it. No question. Uh, but, uh, that those didn't come about until after Marshall died in a one volume, uh, kind of abridgment was was published, and uh, but during the years of publication, the public just stayed away from it. Um, by and large, it, it didn't sell. Um, you know, aside from the subscriptions, it it just didn't sell in the stores, in the shops. 
um, partly because it was five volumes. It, it was expensive. And um, even kind of the cheap, cheaper paperback versions um, um, or, or just the boards, boards uh, without any real decorative cover, um, th- th- those were really outside the means of most. And the other problem was, uh, in terms of the public, um, Parson Weems, Mason Weems, he came out with his own biography, um, which is probably better known. Um, uh, it's, it's the one where we get, you know, all these stories. I don't know how many editions it went through quite a number, uh, Weems' biography did, um, you know, this is where we get the coin across the river we get oh the cherry tree we get um so many of these uh weems basically wrote a morality play of washington's life and that's what sold that's what americans wanted at the time for whatever reason that's that's a whole nother story i think but um the larger reading public just did not take to marshall's um uh, biography Jude, how should we remember Marshall as a historian, as a justice, maybe as both? What do you think? I think we should think of him as a committed um, American. Um, I I, I think someone who had a vision, um, perhaps not always articulated. And um, I think we should see him as part of uh, the American founding in the sense that um, I take a rather large view of the American founding really from the 1760s up till maybe about 1830 with John Quincy Adams uh, as president, because they were the ones who, who were kind of um, um, present at the creation, if you will. And, um, but I think we should, uh, remember him as uh, someone who was um, who felt he did his duty to his family and to his country um, certainly has had his shortcomings. There's no question of that. Um, and um, I think um, I think he was someone who who wanted to create a legacy of what he and what he felt other founders wanted the future to remember. He, and, and this kind of goes back to the history of history. What, what, what were they thinking? What were they thinking was going to be important? And that should sustain the American experiment in the decades and centuries to come. And that's what he was trying to get down not just in his biography, but certainly in his um, work on the Supreme Court as well. But uh, speaking just specifically of the biography, that's really what I think his goal was, was to kind of start a narrative and that um, that this narrative would feed future narratives, but that this kind of um, first in-depth biography of Washington, which it was, um, Although there were some smaller ones prior to this, but but this was by far the the the, the first large biography. Um, um, again, kind of setting the tone for future generations to remember 
what happened during the American founding. So I think Marshall fits fits that um, fits that position quite quite well. Jude, how does this article help us understand the Revolutionary Era better? Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.